try to transition, and I'm going to try to share the word of the Lord tonight with you. I, I'll give a disclaimer tonight. You're not going to shout me down, okay? But uh, what I'm getting ready to share with you is not to bring fear or anxiety to you either. But I am going to, for the next little bit, I'm going to share with you. I'll see what time it is. It's 10 to 8. I've got, I, I won't keep you here forever. I promise. But I've got a lot to say, a short time to say it, but I'll do my best uh, to deliver what God has put in my spirit uh, over the last 72 hours, but really over the last 48 hours. But I've, I've been laboring, been spending a lot of time alone with the Lord uh, and uh, trying to make ourselves available to a lot of people over the last 24 hours. But I stand here today not just to stand here, but I stand here to deliver something that is really burning in my spirit. And for a few moments tonight, I want to talk to us about a nation in distress. And I'm going to give you uh, uh, today what I believe God has given me concerning where we're at. The basic definition of distress is simply it's great pain, anxiety, a place of sorrow, or a state of extreme misfortune. Now, it's after prayer and much time alone with the Lord that I really feel a release to share with you what I'm getting ready to share tonight for a few moments. But I want to begin by simply saying, we will get through this and the church, when I say the church, the blood-bought church of God is going to emerge stronger and better than it's been in recent history there is getting ready to be a reemerging of an anointed power-packed body of believers that is going to be given the assignment to take this gospel in a fashion that is going to literally turn nations of the world upside down this is the setting of the stage I believe for bringing in the last day harvest now I know it may not look like that yet but while this is a global crisis that we see with this virus that we're dealing with and you can have many different opinions about it and I have my own I'm going to not focus on the nations of the world but I'm going to focus on the nation that we call home tonight John 16 33 let me give this to you in the world you shall have tribulation but be of good cheer I have overcome the world I want to get that in your spirit tonight in the world you shall have tribulation but be of good cheer I have overcome the world but with that being said, I must give you tonight Proverbs 14 and 34. Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Reproach simply means to find fault or to censor. There are times and seasons of reproach when righteousness is absent. Now, Righteousness is not religion. 
Let's make that distinction very clear. We are a very religious society, but we are not a very righteous society. We are churchgoers, but very few are the church. Please hear me. That's why we must understand Proverbs 11, 11. By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. Let me get that in our spirit tonight. By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. While God is a loving God tonight, there is still things that he hates. He hasn't changed his mind concerning them for this current generation. If he did, he would have to repent for all of the judgments that he's brought in history. He would have to repent for the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, just to mention one. So therefore, God is still a God that does not change. God is also a jealous God. God is also a God that will not be mocked. God is a God that is still in control. And Proverbs 6, 12 through 19 tells us, A naughty person, a wicked man, walketh with a forward mouth. He winketh with his eyes, he speaketh with his feet, he teaches with his fingers. Forwardness is in his heart, he devises mischief continually, he soweth discord. Therefore shall his calamity come suddenly. Suddenly shall he be broken without remedy. This does not just apply to a man, but this applies to nations as well. Notice verse 16 through 19. These six things doeth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked imagination, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a, fault, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. Yes, he is patient. Yes, he is long-suffering. But there comes a time when he brings judgments to nations due to their ungodly behavior. Currently, the nations of the world are in a downward spiral concerning righteousness. And as America goes, we are as guilty as many others, if not more guilty in certain areas of the seven things that God hates. With these times of judgment, however, comes oftentimes misunderstandings. The question is always asked, why isn't God doing something to stop it? Or why is God allowing things like this to happen? As a nation as well as a body of faith, we have been found guilty, my friend, in the eyes of the Lord of the things that he hates. We have embraced the very behavior that he tells us to abandon. Let me give them to you again, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, 
a heart that devises wicked imagination, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, but probably even more so is he that soweth discord among the brethren. Let me remind you today, it is not large things, but it is the little foxes that destroys the vine. Proverbs 6, 20 through 23 is very clear in how we are to walk daily. But unfortunately, this does not describe how many people behave daily. My son, keep thy father's commandments and forsake not the law of thy mother. Bind them continually upon your heart. Tie them about your neck. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. And when thou awakest, it shall talk with thee. For the commandment is a lamp and the, light is, and the law is light. And, respond, and reproofs of instructions are the way of life. We have quoted these following verses oftentimes. Second Chronicles 7, starting in verse number 12. Please stay with me. We're going somewhere. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice talking about Solomon's temple. He said, if I shut up heaven, that there be no rain. How many knows that there's parts of the world it hasn't been raining? Or if I command the locust to devour the land, how many know there's a locust problem going on right now? Or if I send pestilence among my people, how many knows that's where we find ourselves today? He says, if all of these things are taking place, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now, most people stop there, but let me take us further. Now my eyes shall be open and my ears attentive unto the prayer that is made in this place. For now have I chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever and my eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. And as for thee, if thou shalt observe my statutes and my judgments, or if thou wilt walk before me as David thy father walked, and do according to all that I have commanded thee, and shall observe my statutes and my commandments, then will I establish the throne of thy kingdom according as I have coveted with David thy father, saying, There shall not fail thee a man to be ruler in Israel. But if you turn away, and forsake my statutes and my commandments, which I have set before you, and shall go and serve other gods and worship them. Notice this. Then will I pluck them up by the roots out of my land, which I have given them. And this house, which I have sanctified for my name, will I cast out of my sight, and will make it to be a proverb and a byword among all nations." Where we find ourselves today is a place where we must hear the word of the Lord. Here's what I'm hearing the Lord say. It is time for the church to humble itself and pray. And, we don't like those ands, but and turn from the wickedness it has embraced. The church in America must take responsibility for its actions and it must return back to a place of righteousness and true holiness. If the church continues as it is, 
I am going to say this and not to strike fear into your heart. But if the church continues as it is and does not repent, the virus that we simply have today is simply the beginning of a stage of turmoil that will come to this nation. Hear me. When we begin to look at the seven things that God hates, it isn't so much that he hates it just because the world behaves that way. He hates it when the church, his bride, begins to embrace it even on a greater level. Notice with me, the one thing that he says is an abomination is that when we sow discord among brethren, that he's talking about when there's that type of behavior in the church. But when you begin to look at everything, listen, the sin, uh, the sinner is going to continue to sin. The world is going to continue to do what the world does to a certain level. But the church has got to be set apart and judgment always begins at the house of the Lord. And what has happened in recent history is the church has got a proud look. The church has got a lying tongue. The church has began to celebrate the shedding of innocent blood. The church has began to allow and embrace and celebrate the redefining of marriage between a man and a woman. Listen, when we begin to look at the behavior of the church, we have to realize that the current epidemics of this world is simply the judgments of God. While it is in selective manners and places, it is not because of the wickedness of the world, but it's because of the wickedness of the church. Now hear me tonight. God judges the righteous in Psalm 7 and 11, and God is angry with the wicked every day. If God is wicked, if God is angry with the wicked every day, why is it that he doesn't bring judgment every day? Because there is times and season when the righteous get so far away from him that they're no longer righteous, but yet they think they're right in their own sight. But he says, you're far from me. What he's saying is this, there comes a time when I will let you go so far, but then because of my grace and mercy, I will get your attention and try to draw you back to me. And he says, when you get into a lukewarm condition, you may say that I'm in need of nothing, but God says you're naked, you're blind, you're poor, you're in a desperate state and you don't know it. So he brings things to awaken us to come back to where we have to repent. Now, hear me. If there is not true repentance, we will begin to experience wave after wave of demonic interruptions because I believe that in my spirit tonight, I can say without hesitation, God will not hold them back, but God will roll back the hedge of protection off of this nation and that which we have enjoyed and have taken for granted, we will experience great loss in. Please hear me. There has never been a more important time in your life and in my life than this very present moment of time. This building is not the church, but it's time for the people that assemble in this building and every other building that's designated like this building to become the church, and we can only do that if we fall down on our knees and pray. John 12, 46 through 48, notice, he said, and these are the words of Christ, I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. And if any man hear my words and believe not, he says, I don't judge him. For I come not to judge the world, but to save the world. 
But there's a verse 48. He that rejects me and receives not my words, he has one that will judge him. And the word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. Can I be very bold and honest with you tonight? Due to our poor decision making in America, we have positioned ourselves to become a people under judgment instead of blessing. Much like ancient Israel, and I don't want to sound off color, but I'm just giving you the word of the Lord tonight. We have gone whoring from our God. Hosea 9 and 1, rejoice not, O Israel, for joy as other people, for thou hast gone whoring from thy God. Thou hast loved a reward upon every corn floor. This behavior has brought us to Hosea 9, 7 and 9. Please hear me. The days of visitation are come. The days of recompense are come. Israel shall know it. The prophet is a fool. There is people today that will hear this message and say that Pastor Ron is a fool. The spiritual man is mad. They'll say he's lost his mind. For the multitude of thy iniquity and the great hatred, the watchman of Ephraim was with my God, but the prophet is a snare of a fowler in all of his ways and hatred in the house of his God. They have deeply corrupted themselves as in the days of Gibeon. Therefore, he will remember their iniquity. He will visit their sins. God forgive us for our sins tonight. Recompense simply means say giving back in return. I've said this before, allow me to say it again, that which you plant in your field today, it will stand in your field tomorrow. As a nation, there's a lot of things that we planted, and now it's standing in our field. The question is, what are we going to do to remove it? Because it's not what's supposed to be standing there. Hear me. In Romans 11 and 9, David said this concerning Israel. Let their table be made a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a recompense unto them. He was indicating that the present condition of Israel was the result of their transgressions against the commandments of God. We also see these words in the book of Isaiah, chapter 2, verse number 12. For the day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon everyone that is proud and lofty, and upon everyone that is lifted up, and he shall be brought low. Our willingness as a nation, but as especially our willingness as a church in this nation, to embrace the kingdom of darkness has led us to the place that we are right now. But Nehemiah shows us the answer to experience an abrupt end to the current crises. Nehemiah chapter 1. Most of you are familiar with the story, therefore I won't read it tonight. Nehemiah inquires of the condition of the city of his fathers. They said, oh, it's in great reproach. The walls are torn down. The gates are burned. There is nothing happening. Everything is in disarray. Nehemiah heard the report and immediately 
it says that he went into a state of prayer and fasting and a spirit of anguish came upon him and he fasted and prayed many days is what your Bible says but notice what he prayed he said Lord forgive me and forgive my fathers he said we have neglected your commandments we've ignored your statues and therefore the condition we find ourselves in in that place is due to our own decision-making but because of his brokenness and because of his heart that he turned towards God notice he then said Lord send me allow me to go the most amazing thing about the story of Nehemiah is this it is a city that is in ruin the enemy is coming in and out and destroying everything at its will so to speak but when the man of God turns his heart to God and begins to pray and fast and take responsibility for even the sins of his fathers he is equipped and empowered in such a way with such an anointing that the people that was in distress their spirit revived in them and they began in 50 a little over 50 days they rebuilt the walls of the city and they hung the gates back up and there was a place of protection there was an abrupt end to something that looked impossible all because one man thought that it was necessary to turn his heart back to God and to enter into a time of prayer and fasting and said God I no longer want to see this city in a place of distress can I tell you tonight that we are at the very beginning of this crisis in this nation the current administration and the current officials and those uh, that are laboring they are laboring around the clock and there is no slowing down to the current issue because of the simple fact they do not have the ability to stop what is taking place but I'm in a house tonight with men and women that have the ability but they have to have a desire and a passion to do so not necessarily for yourself but for a generation that is lost and dying and going to hell but the question is does it move you does it move me that we are a nation that's in distress by a demonic influence that can be pushed back and removed hear me today a heart turned towards God and a willingness to go cause broken walls and burn gates to be repaired quickly I want to ask you how quickly do you want this nation to experience a recovery they're very limited in what they can do can we do certain things like have online church and help in the natural realm absolutely but it's going to take more than you and I not sitting in the same room to keep people alive and it's going to take more than that for us to push back the kingdom of darkness that if we don't repent we'll have free access to take us into a realm of darkness that we've never known now I know it may sound doom and gloom tonight but it's not really 
Because the thing is that what's taking place right now can bring us to a place of repentance uh, and we can be empowered and equipped by the Holy Spirit of God in such a manner that we can experience what Nehemiah did, a rebuilding of walls and a rehanging of gates uh, where men and women will be in a place of protection, in a place of safety, in a place in the presence of God where there's such a manner where there begins to be a drawing back to the house of God. I do believe this time, out of everything that I've said that sounded so negative right now, I do believe this is a time of extension of God's grace. You say, you done lost me now, preacher. Stay with me. Just like he put Adam and Eve out of the garden. You hear me. He loves his church too much to leave it in the current condition that it's in and he desires for us to have more than a form of godliness he desires for you to walk with power and authority he desires for your children to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire he desires for you to be the church that changes the world he desires for you to walk with a revived spirit in such a manner that you have the faith to believe that God is able to move mountains again he loves you so much that he says I will not leave you in the condition that you are so I will allow something to come if it will bring you to a place of repentance you hear this preacher tonight John 15, 1 through 5 says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husband. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. There are some things been taken away, but every branch that beareth fruit, he says, I purge it. Uh, there's some people that's been bearing some fruit, but I'm here to tell you, in America, there is a church that's about to reemerge, uh, that's about to bring forth not just fruit, uh, but it's going to bring forth much fruit, saith the Lord. Uh, and I just come to be a mouthpiece tonight and tell you uh, that there is some hard things we got to go through, yes, uh, but it's going to be worth it in the end because your family going to experience Jesus uh, your community going to be turned upside down if you will repent uh, but if you stay the way you are uh, get ready for darkness and destruction uh, but for the one that will call out to God uh, can I tell you there's an awakening uh, there's a reviving uh, there is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit uh, that will come to that house uh, to that community uh, to that home uh, but somebody uh, got to say in the midst of the distress uh, I will look into the hills from where my help comes from. Oh, I'm going to preach this thing tonight. Listen, you can settle or you can repent and find God in this hour. Oh my. The branch cannot bear fruit of itself. I'm, I'm hurrying. 1 Corinthians 5, 7. Purge out therefore the old leaven that you may be a new lump. I could preach a message right there. When y'all come back to this house and we worship together again, you better be a new lump. Listen. Hear me. Don't just disregard, oh, that's just your pastor, or oh, that's just Brother Ron. You listen. You You listen. Purge out, therefore, the old leaven. That means this. Lord, I'm soul-searching. Well, what, 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 what what, what's here? What, what needs to be changed? Start digging out. What, what, what's in the dark corners of my life? 
What have I allowed in? Uh, oh, Lord, that, that, that's dirty. I, I, I don't need that anymore. That's not pleasing to you. Oh, Lord, I don't need that. That's not pleasing to you. I'm talking about soul searching. I'm talking about what else is in the corner. Oh, I don't need this. Uh, whatever it may be that you've allowed into your life. Uh, listen, uh, I'm here to tell you uh, God is about to do something. I'm not saying you're out doing things that you shouldn't be doing necessarily. Uh, but I'm talking about those little things. Uh, that time where you didn't think it was important to pray anymore. Uh, that time, well, well, really, that's not too bad. I'll let Johnny listen to it. Uh, oh, I, I, I'll, I'll let Susie watch that. That's really, she knows better. I've taught her. Listen, uh, what you did, you allowed the enemy to come in and sit in your house, uh, entertain your kids, uh, and you still wanted a revival. God says there ain't no way. Uh, I'm here to tell you, I'm talking about living a consecrated life, uh, a sanctified life, uh, a holy life. Uh, let them say what they will about us. Uh, let them call me a radical. I don't care. Uh, but I'm here to tell you, there's a word that needs Jesus uh, and the only way they're going to get it uh, is if I'm walking with him and talking with him uh, and dwelling with him this nation's in trouble but you're the answer how am I the answer preacher because he that lives in you is greater than he that's in the world 2 Timothy Chapter 2, verse 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Listen, this isn't necessarily judgment. But it is the extension of his grace. But if we ignore the grace that's extended, we are stepping into a season of judgment. Revelation 2, 1 through 5. Under the angel of the church of Ephesus, write these things, saith he that holdeth the seven stars in the right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, and how thou cannot bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored and hast not even fainted. But nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent. Do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Is it that important? Yes. Psalms 91. I'm going to close with this. Pastor, Steve, uh, Brother Steve, Pastor Steve. Oh, Lord, how'd that come from? He said, I don't want that. <laughs> Where'd that come from? I'm in a prophetic vein, but I don't know if I'm that prophetic right now or not. Uh, can you just get me something soft to play? I think I want us all to pray tonight in just a moment.
Psalms 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place. That dwelleth where? The where? The secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers. And under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Who's he talking to? He's not talking to the world, my friend. He's talking to you and I who are the apple of his eye, the church. But tonight, while a nation is in distress, You and I have some decisions we have to make. It's much greater, please hear me, that is much greater than whether we're going to meet in this house Sunday or not. Those are little things. The decision is, am I going to be the church of Jesus Christ? Am I going to really be the one that stands between the porch and the altar that really touches heaven for a nation, for a family, for a community. Tonight, while the world is full of uncertainty, I'm standing here very certain God is still everything that he says he is he's my source he's my strength he's my hope he's my assurance he is the one that I can run into right now in this season and I can lay my head on my pillow tonight and go to sleep and rest knowing that all is well no matter what the world may do around me tomorrow, no matter what unexpected thing may happen next, can I remind you that we are just pilgrims passing through. We're citizens of another country, but we're here on assignment. And our assignment is not to go to heaven by ourselves, but our assignment is to reach the world around us. And I tell you right now that when the dark clouds of winter begins to swirl and you see them in the distance, that's when the farmer goes out and grabs that combine and says, we got to get it in and we got to get it in now. I'm going to tell you something. There's some dark clouds of winter. 
there's also some spiritual machines that God has had ready and he's just looking for somebody to step in on what do I mean by that is there's some giftings and callings that God's about to deposit into men and women that will fall down in place of repentance and when you fall down in brokenness and humility God's about to bring you back up in a place of authority you hear me young people do not allow the enemy to place fear in your life but God's about to anoint you to do something in the generation that the, that the world has yet to see we are getting ready to experience a latter-day outpouring of Holy Spirit where the former and the latter is going to come together and there is a place of increase that's coming for the body of Christ the only thing that will keep it from this house and any other house is the rebellious attitude of men and women that says I'm fine right where I am I put myself in that equation I'm not fine where I am I need more of him I'll be the first one to stand before you I need more of him I have to be more dependent on him right now in this stage in my life in this stage in ministry than I've ever needed him I've got so many directions I could be pulled right now so many things once my time and my energy but listen I have to be in tune with what God says listen if if I will trust in Jesus as we stand all over this house tonight I'm going to call us to a prayer, place of prayer. We today need to understand more importantly than any other time that God is not, God is not looking the other way, but He is looking at us continually right now. But today, If we're having technical difficulty, we can just leave it. Sister Emma, you just want to come play something softly, please. I believe right now where God desires for us to be is a very unique place. He doesn't want us to be a people that is distracted. He doesn't want us to be a people that's fearful. But he wants us to be a people that's focused. Now you can focus on the uncertainties and the fears or you can focus on what you know lives in here and you can do what Paul said to Timothy Timothy in the midst of the stuff just reach down and stir it up and there's some stuff that's in you tonight good stuff but God wants to increase that God wants to develop that He wants us to be molded into a place that we've never been so maybe tonight under the sound of my voice you came in here you was anxious, you was fearful I don't want you to leave that way but I want you to leave knowing this that you can trust in Jesus and the first stage of doing that is simply just coming back and understanding what the Lord told Solomon he said I've heard your prayer I've heard your petition I've seen all of your labor and I've I've committed to stay here 
But he says, even if all this stuff goes on, he said, if my people will humble themselves and pray, I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. I believe, while we see a lot of things that leads up to Bible prophecy, things that are very dark, to be honest, I personally don't believe we're there yet. But I believe we have a space of opportunity that God is giving us. While we see lots of things that are precursors leading us into some dark days, there is an opportunity right now to reach a world. But our focus must be different. Our vision must be different. Our passions must be different. You have the ability to be the smile tomorrow that can give somebody peace and rest. You have the ability to be the hands that bring healing and deliverance. But it all happens by us humbling ourselves. So on this Wednesday evening, I'm going to call us to a place of prayer. You say, why is the worship team not up there? It's just because I, I want us to pray tonight. You can stand. You can kneel. Pray at your seat. You can come to this altar. You can walk and pray. However, before we leave this house tonight for a little while, for a little bit, I want us to pray. Because prayer, prayer is where it all begins. But do you trust him enough to bow in his presence and say, God, I surrender. Let's pray tonight.